1: Hello and welcome to the other decluttering. I am Kesty Farujah.
2: I am Amy Ravel, and this is
1: Laurie Palau.
0: Laurie Palau.
1: Wow, well, we're so excited to have you back on that podcast. Thank you for thank you for coming. Thank you for staying up late for oh my us. Gosh.
3: Well, yeah, it's almost it's almost past my bedtime, but not quite. Not quite. <laughs> the things you do for us. Oh my goodness! As soon as you guys asked, I was like, yes. 100 (laughs) percent you may
2: recognize laurie from other episodes with us i don't know the numbers but just search her name and you'll find it um or maybe you listen to this organized life yeah and you recognize her voice from that podcast which is her podcast yes
1: we have she has been on a couple of times and definitely one of them was her talking laurie talking about her four types of clutter And that was in April, 2019. And then we were on your podcast in December, 2019. It's a long time. Well, you're only on my show
2: once. We have to get you back on. Yeah, Yeah. you totally do.
3: I know. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's time just goes. It's crazy.
2: Laurie's Mm -hmm. another one of our pod sisters. We've got a little pod sister family. I think you were probably our first pod sister.
3: Oh, thank you. You were the
2: first, the inaugural.
3: Oh, I love that. Yes. You guys are some of the OGs. Yes. So tell us a bit
1: about yourself before we talk about why you're here today. All right. Awesome. (laughs) Or you tell us why you're here today as well. I do it it all. So
3: I'll give you the quick rundown for anybody who doesn't know me. So I live in the States, if you guys haven't figured that out, (laughs) not from Australia. i um, married with two grown-ish kids. I've got a uh, 20, almost 22-year-old, and probably by the time this episode drops, she'll have had a birthday and be 19. So two in college or university, as you folks say it down there. Um, so I'm totally different seasonal life than you both and probably a lot of your listeners. I run an organizing business here called Simply Be Organized. Um, I started it. 150 years ago, helping people (laughs) to just with simple mission, just declutter so you can live simply and enjoy your stuff, your time, your space. Um, Nothing more real complex with that. And since that time, the business has grown, I Like you said, Amy, I have a podcast called Disorganized Life that I've had for, I think, six years now. It's like forever, it seems. Um, and I love it. And I love sharing strategies and talking to amazing guests all about different aspects of what organization in your life looks like, aside from your closets, your cupboards, all of the things. Because I think it's a, I take a pretty holistic approach. And um, I have a dog. So if you hear him in the background, because he's like, mom, why are you on um, a call at this time. You should be laying with me on the couch. Um, and what what else? That's pretty much it. Oh, and you're an uh, author. I'm an author. I have a book. Uh, it's called hot mass, a practical guide to getting organized. And it really walks through a little bit about kind of what I call defining clutter. Um, talking about clutter in three main areas, physical stuff that you see, emotional, which is those feelings of guilt or fear or any type of emotion that is keeping you from getting rid of the things. And then the third type is what I call calendar clutter, which has to do with productivity being overscheduled. I don't think there's anyone out there that can't relate to that on some level. Mm -hmm. Um, And so all of that to say, that's kind of how I've That's been the foundational principles of the business. And then about five years ago now, I was introduced to this um, crazy personality typology called the Enneagram. And if you, for anyone listening that doesn't know what the Enneagram is, I'll give you the quick elevator pitch. It is an ancient personality typology that has nine distinct types. And I think of it like an onion, there's all these layers that you can peel back, but we're gonna keep it pretty simple for the purposes of this podcast. Um, Each different type has specific characteristics and we can kind of walk through them briefly on a top line basis. But what separates the Enneagram and what really drew me to it, as opposed to other typologies like Myers-Briggs or Strength Finders or DISC, or a lot of the other assessments or typings that are out there, is that the Enneagram looks at your core motivation, rather than your behavior. So it looks at the why you do what you do, Mm. essentially. And I always, leading up to me learning about the integrator, would talk about clutter as really just the symptom of something bigger. And so that was what initially drew me to it, aside from the fact that I'm a little bit of like a personality typology geek and I like all that kind of stuff. But I started saying, well, if we're looking at the motivation, not the behavior, well, that's going to lead to a different approach of how you tackle clutter, because Mm -hmm. what's giving somebody the buy-in on Mm -hmm. one person is going to be totally different than the buy-in on another. And so that sent me down a five-year rabbit hole of studying the Enneagram, going to conferences, courses, listening to podcasts, reading books, you name it, to start to connect the dots between people's relationship with clutter and organization and their Enneagram type. So that's it. That's what I do. We love Enneagram. Yeah. Remind us what number you are. I was going to say, I was going to say, and so I'm an Enneagram eight, much like Amy. Um, And the eights, and we can, again, walk through them if you'd like. Eights are known as the challenger and um, Kirsty is a two. You think?
1: You think? um, I'm a seven. She's not sure. (laughs) Yeah, I I vacillate between all of them. Two, four, and seven. I'm like, maybe I'm a nine because I can be all of them, but I know I'm not a nine because it's not. not, I'm not motivated by the same things. I think I'm pretty sure I'm a seven. I think that really, as a first-born child, I probably had to be a two. Yes, (laughs) but I'm not a two.
3: Well, and it's interesting. I actually, we just completed, again, not sure when this is going to drop, but On my show, we did a Summer of Enneagram series because we've got a lot of people who are interested in the Enneagram or people that don't know about it, but they've heard about it. So we said, you know what it will be really fun is interview people of the nine different core types and let them describe what their experiences is, what that particular type is, the characteristics, and what their life is like in terms of organization and clutter does clutter stress you out? Are you what I call clutter blind? Are you the type of person that can walk past the sink full of dishes and not have it bother you? Mm-hmm. Um, are you somebody that is so busy in the planning, but then you really never get to the execution? Like, so all of these different kind of probing questions, I was asking all of our different guests to try to again, find some through lines, not that it's, oh, if you're this type, that means you struggle with this type of clutter, Mm. but it really affects your approach and how you deal with it. And one of the things that we were just saying with my last guest, who's an Enneagram nine is on the surface, she thought she was a two and the twos are known as the helpers because she takes on that role in life. And a lot of times, like who doesn't, I always say, who doesn't want to be a helper, right? Helpers are the people that you think of that. You know I mean? <laughs> Amy doesn't want to be. A helper. I, don't,
2: I want helpers
1: <laughs> around
3: me. I do not want to be a helper. <laughs> I don't know. But I, you know, I think a lot of times, and this is the thing is where people can get mistyped is because they start to look at Where they are in the season of life that they're Mm -hmm. in, and how they've had to maybe jump in, whether either jump into a leadership role or jump into a caretaking role, whether it's with an aging parent, children, whatever. And so, again, when you look at certain characteristics, you could be like, yeah, that's me. But Mm -hmm. when you really start to peel back and read about what's the motivation of each of these types, that's where you're like, I know I'm not a nine. And so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or a
2: two. Yeah. Or a
3: two. Yeah. So you
1: have got this course, The Enneagram and mm-hmm. Clutter. And I do. That's been the outworking part of the outworking of this love of the Enneagram and your stalking of Susan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so Hit us up, tell us about the course, tell us about, or and sure. just tell us more about the Enneagram because yeah. we know yeah. there'll be listeners who don't know. So <laughs> what is two, what is eight, what yeah. is seven, so,
3: what are you talking about? So first of all, I want to answer a question that might, some people might be asking out there, which is, well, how do you find out your type? Which is one of the most common questions if you don't know your type. And again, it could go down a whole long rabbit hole, but the best way, truly, in my opinion- To learn what your type is, is to read about it. It's all about self discovery. Now, that being said, there are lots of assessments out there. Some are free, some are paid. We have a link to one on our website that's free because ultimately, I really think that the, and there's statistics that show that people that take assessments, like 56% of them are mistyped. (laughs) So again, take it with a grain of salt. But if you're really, really itching and you don't know anything about it and you want to for fun and it'll I don't think you're going to be totally off base. There are certain things that you're like, that's definitely not me, or I would definitely not do this in this situation. Other things that you're like, yeah, I might, it might start to give you a little bit of a narrowing down, but just please don't take, well, none of it's the gospel, but don't take it and say, okay, I'm done. That's it. Because really what, what the power of the Enneagram, and I'm using that word loosely is about what you do with it. Like now that you have this information How do I apply that in my life, in relationships, whether it's parent-child relationship, spousal relationship, working relationships, knowing these are my strengths and these are the areas that I, in the course, I call them strengths and struggles, the areas that are a little bit intuitively really like dominant for you. And every type has some areas of that. And then there's some areas that you're weaker and One of the other key things before I kind of give a walkthrough of the different nine types, and this is where, again, I kind of, for me, the rubber met the road is we talk about the three main areas that really help balance, for lack of a better word, each of us, and that's thinking, feeling, and doing. So are you processing information? Are you taking it in and processing it emotionally with your heart? Are you taking it analytically and logically with your head or are you going intuitively with your gut? And when you think about how you navigate situations in any situation, but specifically tying it back to organization and clutter, you people, as you start to unpack this, you can start to see where you might... Tend to struggle, or like, this is why I might be struggling with emotional clutter, or this is why I'm just the let me just jump right in and get to it, or this is the let me plan everything out before I start. And I'm oversimplifying it, but that's really for me, I found so fascinating. And I know you guys have your head, heart, and home course, and all these things where you look at clutter and organization and the process and a very holistic approach. And that's really very similar. To kind of the work that I'm doing is trying to say it's not a one size fits all. It's not just a, a one linear lane, it's all interrelated. And I
1: loved um, in your course how you do really. So, your course is set up, you teach a lot on the Enneagram, and then you teach on the nine types and how they relate to clutter and your framework of clutter, which is so brilliant. And what I, struck me when I was doing it, watching it, is just how much freedom people may experience when they understand that not everybody operates the same and that, oh my gosh, because I am this type, that is why I struggle with this, you know, with procrastination. Like that is really, hard for me because of this because i am this type and not only do i struggle with procrastination i also struggle with emotional clutter the most like it just really helps frame when you understand yourself you can then have a whole lot of grace for yourself about why it is that this can come really easy for kirsty and amy Mm -hmm. and can be really hard for you and give you the grace and the freedom to go, well, actually, no wonder I am not like Kirsty and Amy. I'm not a seven or an eight. I'm a two. And so no wonder this is really hard for me. Mm. So I just I love I love the freedom that the Enneagram brings and the grace that the Enneagram
3: brings as well. I I, I couldn't agree more, and thank you. I mean, I think for me, relationally, it's been very transformational, not just in the work that I'm doing with clutter, but as a parent and in my marriage. And I, if, uh, so let me walk through for everybody and I'll tell a story, but remind me to tell you about the story with Josh and picking up the toys. So just remind me, we'll put a pin in that and then we'll come back to that story. So let me just walk for everybody that's listening. up, like, give me some characteristics. So we're just going to kind of walk through the nine different types. So and not one is good and one's bad, or this is good. You know, I have friends go, well, is that a good one or bad? They're all good. And there's, <laughs> and the beauty good. of it is it's a fluid process. So again, the more you start to understand the Enneagram, and we talk about this in the course, that you, you fluctuate just like we do in real life and you rely on other numbers. So if you look at the model of the Enneagram you'll see it's got like all these intersecting arrows. So everybody's born with a dominant type that never changes, but how you move through life, just like you do with everything you can have, you can start to lean on healthier parts of other numbers as well. So anyway, that all to be said, ones are known as the perfectionist or the improver. And as you would think, ones in the context of clutter and organization, they would they're intuitively your list makers. They are they have a really strong attention to detail. Um, but they can also tend to be a little bit of a control freak. You know, they want it done their way. Um, they they have a very what separates the one from other types on the Enneagram is they have this. Very loud inner critic. From what I've been told from Enneagram ones, so it's a voice. Some people have said it's just kind of like an inner voice. Some people, it's like you know the little, you know, guy sitting on your shoulder, chirping in your ear, but critiquing their every move. So ones are most critical of themselves, not on other people, but it's really self-driven. And so, how that can show up in the world of clutter is, I'm just going to give. A few examples, a mom that says, I'm going to make all the beds and because I want it done right, or I'm going to load the dishwasher this way because I want it done right or done my way, as opposed to releasing and delegating. So delegation is an area like for ones that I always try to work with them on saying, Let's just work on kind of releasing that tension. Um, and again, it's more about really when you start to understand it. It's about their own insecurities and their where their own struggles are, but it can come across, as somebody trying to take over. And so ones, a lot of times will struggle with calendar clutter in the sense that they're overextending the things and they're doing the things they don't have to do. A lot of times when I talk about, they're like, I'm so busy doing X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, you could delegate that to your child, your spouse, your coworker, your friend, have a friend pick this up, you know, hire somebody to cut your lawn. Like there's all these other ways, but a lot of times ones want to try to maintain a sense of control to help them with the calm. So, but ones are awesome. We love our ones. So what is the motor?
1: What's their core motivator? Cause one of the things with enneagrams is yes. you can really relate to another number. Yes. But like, you know, what we were talking about with me and two, I can yes. look like a two, but I'm not motivated by the same thing. Yes.
3: So the core motivation of the one is to improve the world around them to improve. So they can look at something that could be, um, you know, done a different way where they feel it could be done better yeah. um, and so again improving the world that's why it, in some contexts they're called the perfectionist but in more modern day teachings I've heard them refer to as the improver because that is really what their goal is is they want to improve Aww. but they also can run the risk because they want to dot every I and cross every T that execution you have to be careful, to not take too much time in the planning and not leave enough time for the execution. Yeah, Yeah. And procrastination can be that Achilles heel because
1: they know they can't do it to the standard that they want it done.
3: And in the context of clutter and this, I found very interesting because one of the things that I've taught over the years is just do something for 15 minutes, even if you can't get it done, like just do a drawer, do a cabinet, do a, you know, a little spot. And when I started talking to and interviewing a lot of ones during my research, a lot, they said that was counterintuitive to them because ones like to do something from start to finish and perfectly and perfectly. So for example, they, uh, it would be more, um, even though for me, I'm like, we'll just do a little bit here, a little bit, like a little bit today, a little bit tomorrow, a little bit, and then chip away. They would be, it would be more organic for them to say, you know what, I'm going to carve it out. I'm going to just spend all days, all day Saturday and doing it. I and am that'll be-
2: so relating. I'm not very good at doing anything partly, which drives people crazy because they think it's this railroading, which I can think ones would be like, no, it's because I I want to complete it. But but the tension is that actually at times you need to stop and assess, bring mm-hmm. someone else in, have an expert, go to the shops, do all these things, and you can end up being inefficient mm-hmm. in order to achieve the goal.
3: Yeah. And the, the other thing, and you'll see this with all the different types, is we're relational beings. And so when you're working with somebody, again, whether this is in a professional work setting or you're asking your spouse or your kids or your parents, whatever, to, to work with you. And they are like, okay, I need a break. And you're ready to keep powering through, you know, finding that middle ground. But again, that, just having that knowledge of, okay, this is why I'm feeling, I'm not trying to be a taskmaster. I yeah. am just, this is, it's, it's almost it's like this nagging thing of, mm-hmm. I can't just leave it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Two. Up so I started to reference the twos a little bit. Twos are known as the helper again, other than Amy. I don't know anybody else that doesn't want to be a helper. Um,
2: it's my helper. show. I was thinking it's actually that it shows itself differently because my helper is I will do things like if someone asks me to do something, I will absolutely do it. But not out of, but, but out of. of the, you don't yeah.
1: see it. You don't go, you don't go looking for it to so like, how can I help this person? Whereas helpers will go out of their way to, to look find for, that, yeah. but go, Laurie, you yeah, sorry, though,
3: Well, expert. no, I was just going to say, but you bring up a good point because that goes back to the core motivation. So the Correct. motivation of the two is they believe that their worth is based on how other people view them. Like that is their, their, inadvertently, because this is an unconscious motivation is that you will love me because of the service that I'm doing for you. So I will make Mm -hmm. you a meal. And it's not, it's not manipulative. It's its not done manipulative meant to be manipulative. And unless you're really unhealthy where you can become a martyr, it doesn't, that's not what it is that you genuinely want to like show their love language, so to speak is like, let me, the first thing for two is like, Can I make you a meal? Now I'm also like that as well as an eight and twos and eight share a line. So there are, again, without getting like too deep in the weeds, again, there are certain characteristics where you, you can look on the exterior like a certain number, but my worth at the end of the day is not tied to somebody else's opinion of me. That is something that is very different than me. Um, And so again, twos being helpers they are the people that again the greatest you know cliche is choosing to put their oxygen mask on first because they are so busy caretaking mm-hmm. other people that they put themselves last and you mm-hmm. obviously know that that is not sustainable and so you know that in the and in the world of you know clutter and organization it can look like overscheduling yourself because you don't want to say no to any volunteer opportunity. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to volunteer at church. I'm going to volunteer at my kid's classroom. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Oh, you need me to sit on this committee. Oh, you need me to make up this. So you can do all these things at the risk of not carving out the time that you need to address your mm-hmm. household day-to-day operations. So then stuff falls. And they
1: can, in unhealth, they can be martyrish and mm. be like nobody ever cares for me. And why is it my husband doing these things that I so naturally do for him? And why do my kids not appreciate anything I do for them? So it can because I. I mean, yes. One thing that we we probably don't have time to chat through a lot is that like the enneagram does talk through. The unhealthy aspects, like how when you're operating in stress,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, how you can go to another number or act out within your number, it can come across in negative to other people. <laughs> and then Absolutely. when you're in health, you can be the best version of that number. Like everything in that number that you, people love mm-hmm. is what you look like when you're in healthy, emotionally intelligently healthy within that number.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of it, and again, this is like, again, without geeking people out, (laughs) when we look at where each of the numbers is dominant of those three centers, that thinking, feeling, and doing, and where they're, you know, again, the I hate using the word weaker, but I like to think of it as a muscle. Like in the in the world of the Enneagram, every number has this. Just you know, you know some people that are naturally good athletes or they're naturalists, and other people have to work at it. Well, that's how that's how the Enneagram is, and so twos are, for example, are they are in the feeling, they are feeling dominant. So they are natural empaths, you know, twos, threes, and fours are natural empaths. So that's how they lead and take in process information. And, but twos struggle with productive, um, with productive thinking. So they will be so in their head, it's not that they don't think, but they're not maybe using their analytical skills because they're so, they get so inadvertently tied up in the emotional piece of it that they don't factor in. So again, it can show up in clutter in ways of not wanting to get rid of your kid's artwork because you feel that that could be tied to, am I going to be a bad mom? What would my kids say? You know, whether it's not so much, what would other people think? It's not that, but it's just like, that's not what I should be doing. So. Yeah. And I would feel horrible
1: if my mom got rid of it. So my kids would naturally feel that's horrible if I got rid of it because it's ex- all about feeling. Exactly. It's, it's their dominant. It's not all yes. about feeling,
3: but yeah. that's what drives no, but, them. And so again, we, you know, we talk about the golden rule about treating others how, you know, we want, but it's really treat others how they want to be treated. But the golden rule, when we do that and we look at the Enneagram, it's like, I know for me, and when we get to the eights and, you know, I'm, I'm like the tough love mom because that's how I am. But there are people that need a little bit more nurturing than I often give, but because I've, Spend some years studying the Enneagram. I'd like to believe them a healthier version of myself, but you know, my kids will be in therapy for a long time because I was <laughs> sucking up Buttercup for many years. <laughs> All right, hit us up with number three. Oh, love threes. And I again, I threes. thought first for a while, I thought you were a three, Amy. Me too. I'm
2: definitely an eight, three. I know there's not a natural line connecting those two, but I I but think the, I undulate a little bit.
3: Okay. So the threes, so Amy's making up her own rules right now, but the threes, <laughs> the three sevens and eights actually do share a, a connection point because we're all what's called in the aggressive stance. Again, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole and give people like what, um. but there, there are, You'll there hear are some, the you
2: yes, hear it in the course. Yeah. There are, there are,
3: yeah, I, I unpack it. The course is like what, six hours. So you can break it. It's broken up into modules. um. But three, Threes are known as the achiever, and I've studied threes a lot because my husband's a three, and so I think threes are great, and this is where I'll tell my little story. So threes' core motivation has to do with their work being tied to their worth. So where twos, I was saying, their worth is about how other people are perceiving them and being loved and all of that. Threes are more about achievement and doesn't mean that they're superficial people, but they just feel like the value they bring to the world has to do with their work, which is a false narrative that they tell themselves, but we all tell ourselves false narratives to some degree. Well, and, and like two, it's a false narrative that yeah, you're only
1: loved if you of serve course. people.
3: Uh, right. like all of you, the motivations are false. Exactly. A hundred percent. So threes are all about achievement and um, a lot of times appearance. And so when it comes to clutter, I know Josh hates clutter. And I used to think it was because he grew up in an apartment in New York and they never had a lot of clutter. And then he married me and I don't like clutter. But he would get I would rather wait and put things away appropriately where he would walk in a room and see mess and he immediately starts to move stuff around. Even if it's mm-hmm. like mindlessly, he'll just start moving yeah. things. So it's out of sight, out of mind. And it used to drive me crazy. And when my, this is the the story. So when my kids were little, he traveled a ton and would come home when he wasn't traveling after bedtime, because I was like sleep you know, you're in bed seven, seven 30. So he would come in and I'd be finishing up the dishes or whatever, cleaning up. And he would immediately just start like picking up toys. And I would get, and in his mind, he was helping like, cause I hadn't gotten into it yet. What was left, but it was a stressing him out. Like he would walk in and not want to see it. And he also thought he was helping. And I was internalizing it that, well, you're basically telling me I'm not good at my job as a Stay at home mom, like that's my, you know, like I I felt insulted and he's trying to be helpful. So we're both looking at this situation from two completely different lenses. And it like caused a lot of tension. And of course, we uncovered it years later, really, mm-hmm. where the crux of it came from. But I started to really study how threes perceive how clutter makes them feel, because I talk a lot about the emotional. Piece of clutter, and J- our, my friend Jen. Do you know Jen Kelborn from Pro Organizer Studio in the states? I've known Jen. She's one of she's one of my other OG um, organizer peeps, and she is a three. And when I I interviewed her for my show, and she said, "It's when she walks into a room with clutter, it's as if she's walking in, and the stereo is like blaring." Mm -hmm. so loud, like she's having a visceral reaction. Like it actually causes her like a physical response to the clutter and she just needs to make it go away. And I didn't really like, I do this for a living and I don't like clutter and I teach about all the benefits of living (laughs) with less and all that, but I don't have that emotional response to that. And or Mm -hmm. that physical, that visceral response. And so I, I asked a bunch of other people and a lot, again, I don't want to stereotype. I'm sure there's a three out there that doesn't have that, but the majority of people that I talked to in my study, and I studied like over 450 people that they all said, yes, we really are. It is, it is something that causes us a lot of stress and anxiety.
2: Laurie, one of the things that I find with threes is we walk into there, they call us and they're like, oh my gosh, it's the clutter is driving me crazy. We go out and we walk into their homes. And I'm like, this could be a display house. Yes. And then you open the cupboards mm-hmm. and you're like, ah, now I see. Now I see what the problem is. But because they're, they're so aware of it, they need it out of sight, but they, they're doing it in such a um, reactive nature mm-hmm. that they're not then planning. How could I store it? Where do I store it? Do I even need this? It's just like, I just need to. Does this it live here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just no, put it, it in the cupboard. Here. It- <laughs> my house looks amazing. But also, I know that I put it in that cupboard. I know that it's not organized and I need help.
3: Yeah. And I always, you know, one of the, one of my biggest kind of catchphrases that I tell people, and this goes for, you know, any space that you're organizing is it really, the whole purpose is the ease of retrieval.
0: Mm-hmm. How quickly can you
3: find, how quickly can you find it when you need it? Yeah, And when you ask a three, a lot of times, and this would be a common theme when my kids were like in high school and they, I was fortunate that they would want to like do their work in a common area, as opposed to like just locking their doors in their rooms, so they would have like papers out and Josh would come in and just start moving their papers. And they'd be like, where is it? And he's like, I don't know. I just saw papers and I started moving them. I'm like, oh my gosh, you have to stop. Like you have to stop. <laughs> but, the, but when it goes to the retrieval, you don't always know. And that is kind of a pitfall that I think threes need to be mindful of because they're in, like you said, it's such a reactionary state mm-hmm. to get rid of it that they're not thinking about the real long-term purpose of defining the space and putting things where they need to go. So.
0: awesome, that is my cautionary tale. awesome. Uh,
3: All right. Should we move on to the fours? Yeah. So fours are known as the individualist or the romantic and they round out that feeling triad that, um, that those twos, threes, and fours. So they feel all the things and they are what what you would think of if you were going to stereotype a 4 you would think of like a brooding artist or musician somebody that's a super creative and again doesn't mean that all fours are like this but they really kind of channel that their need is to be unique that's their unconscious motivation is they don't want to be ordinary
0: mm-hmm. and
3: so whatever i can do to stand out and not be a conformist is like you know, that's I value. that's the, and f- nobody understands me because I'm so exactly. unique and fours are comfortable in the melancon- in the melancholy. So they are, and I think that'll come through because on the surface, sometimes fours and sevens, especially there's a lot of times. And one of the things is I would say if there's a range of emotion, the fours are glass half empty type, and sevens are going to always be the glass half full, again, to general, overgeneralize them. Mm-hmm. Um, fours also, they are because they're so feeling, they're very feeling dominant and they tend to struggle when it comes to productive doing. So a lot of times fours will struggle with prioritizing executive function, things like that. Um, I talked pretty openly, my youngest is a four. She also happens to have ADHD and she's been on my show talking about it and growing up really setting boundaries and holding space because everything has a tie to a memory or an emotion for her. And the emotion, it, it's not, it's not an emotion of guilt and it's not an emotion of fear. Cause like sixes may have it when we get to them, like sixes might be like that. What if I need it? Kind of fear, that emotion where, fours are like, this takes me back. This takes me back to a time stroll down memory lane. Exactly. And so when I'm when I as a as a professional organizer, when I'm working with people, I've learned to kind of hold longer space for people who are fours because they're not quick decision makers typically speaking where mm-hmm. certain types like yes, no, yes, no. Fours need to really kind of process that and need to if you want it to be sustainable, you need to allow them the space to go through that.
2: Yeah and fours don't think that that's wasted time. like as an eight, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're wasting time. But the four does not think you're wasting time. The four feels like you're giving due process and Mm -hmm. that it's really important. So when you rush a four, you're not helping them be more efficient. You're actually cutting the legs out from under them.
3: Right. And the goal, if the goal is that you want these to be sustainable systems and you want to incorporate organization and the decluttering process in a healthy way that is something that you're not going to dread, like going to the dentist or something else that other people dread, and you want to make it that this isn't so bad, setting some boundaries and parameters, like we're going to give ourselves a certain time frame, or again, setting that, but giving them the space or just working in smaller chunks of time, figuring out how are we going to do this so that you can continue on. And this isn't something Mm -hmm. that is so painful. I don't want to do it at all.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better. Well,
3: Fives. Okay. So fives are known as the investigator or the observer. And fives start what is known as the thinking or the head triad. So they are your very analytical people. And fives also tend to collect stuff because they like to, and I'm using this term loosely, hoard information. So fives will, they will collect knowledge, organizing books.
2: Yeah, recipes, paperwork, all of the textbooks.
3: Yes. If you've walked into, and I don't know if you feel this way, but or if you have experienced this, but if you walk into like a home office of somebody who's a five, there's lots of piles of paper, lots of data, lots Mm -hmm. and lots of stuff that's there. And in their mind, they're being very productive. But uh, what they don't realize is that a lot of times they lose the efficiency in their quest for this knowledge. Con- this continual quest for knowledge. Um, the
1: other there, th- there are clients who have got twenty organizing books and have yet to organize anything because they well what if I still were if I just read one more book. If I just gather more knowledge, then then I'll be able to do the best job. Here's
2: what I love about fives, though, is that when they're ready, when you can help them get to that point, they're an easy, uh, I find they're quite easy to implement because they have so much knowledge and data and the foundation is really strong.
3: Yeah, but it it is, yes. But it's getting them to that point where they feel like they've, They've reached, okay, we have enough information to let's pull the trigger. Yeah. Um, again, fives can mistake thinking about organizing or reading about organizing for actually organizing. Yeah. Yep. And so that's the thing. So, again, I think it's great that they're using analytical sc- skills to kind of take in information, but they don't always use that productive doing again for when it comes to. So, just being really intentional about this is what we're going to do. So
2: fives really appreciate, um, no, like we've got a client I'm thinking in my head, that's a five that before we started wanted to know what are the steps that we use in a session. And the fact that I was able to provide her that and say, well, this is the four-step philosophy, but when it comes to the decluttering part, here's the five steps that we use for decluttering. Once I was able to say, we have a framework that we can use. And she knew what it was. No problems. She just was like, great, let's do it. So I think there's also that, you know, additional and that's resource a, and that can help.
3: That's such a great point because some types don't want that. Like threes no. are very visionary and they are like, I would say the devil's in the details. And like Josh has, I, I will, we use this little acronym in our like family group chat, ATD. Josh has no ATD, no attention to detail, big picture, no attention to detail where again, if I were to walk through those steps, Josh would be like, just what's the end result? Like where... You know, like threes are very efficient, but they don't they don't care about this, the steps, the procedural process. Yeah. Fives, if you can earn their trust by providing that procedural process, mm-hmm. then you're golden. So I think that's an excellent point that you just brought up there. Now, sixes are fascinating to me. So sixes are, well, they're all fascinating for different reasons. Can I just stop for a second? What is a core
1: motivation for a five?
3: Oh, I'm sorry. Knowledge, knowledge is they want to be seen as knowledgeable in situations. So that's why they're always kind of craving as much knowledge on whatever subject, whether yeah, it's and a they,
2: fear of being seen as stupid.
3: Yes. Yes. And so if they take on a hobby, they're like all in on this hobby, you know, or if they like something, they are going to go to the nth degree to get as much background on this if they like a band or whatever it is they're going to research and gather as much information so it's all about that information gathering and yes so that's their core motivation is and fear is not to be seen as intelligent and so that knowledge gives them a false sense of safety and security everything's false all the motivations are false again Exactly.
2: Except I switch a clothing outfit. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, just you Sixies. wait.
3: Just you wait. So sixes, <laughs> sixes are known as the loyalist, and they're all about they're they are very fear based. So we talked about the emotional. And this is where I think it becomes really fascinating with um, when you talk about the range of emotional clutter, and I'm sure you'd see this as well, where you can have that emotional clutter of this takes me back, the sentimental versus emotional clutter of fear. And so for sixes, it's that what if, what if I need it? What if they're your worst case scenario thinkers are your sixes. So they are planning for the apocalypse. They were probably the most prepared people with COVID because they are constantly planning. And how that can show up is holding on to things that you don't need. If you're a five, six, like if you're a five with a six wing you gotta really be intentional because your 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 unconscious tendency is to hold on to stuff, to gather information, and hold on to stuff. So you have to be really mindful about building up that muscle of giving those false narratives that are in your head, No, I don't really need it. When was the last time I used it? Is this really going to happen? How quickly could I go to get it if I need it again? Kind of going through that, mental or written checklist if you even need it to actually go through it to talk yourself out of it because you're going to convince yourself that these are all legitimate reasons for why I should be holding on to something because their core motivation is to be safe and yes. to provide safety for other yep. people. Yes. So safety is key. And again, who does not want to be safe? But yes, but it's it can become this um, get this kind of cloud that's hanging over them to stand in the way in all areas of their life. But specifically when it comes to clutter and organization, it's something that they can, um, easily fall into a trap of having unwanted clutter because of this need that this is something that I,
2: I think I'm retyping one of my kids as we speak.
3: You're not supposed to type (laughs) your kids. My God. You're, not you're not supposed to type anybody. You're supposed to type anyone. <laughs> you are breaking every any. You're breaking all the enneagram <laughs> rules. My goodness. All right. So sevens. So sevens <laughs> are sevens are the enthusiast, um, and they also again they they're also in the thinking triad, but they show up differently. Um, and they will. They're your fun people, right? And their core motivation. They're they're like the. YOLO people, you know, like, let's go out, let's do it. Let's be adventure seekers. And, you know, they, they pride themselves on experiences and, which is great because we talk about experiences. However, sevens can run the risk of constantly doing stuff and never spending the, there's two, two main areas where I see sevens can run into trouble. One of them is I'm constantly on the go. So if I'm constantly on the go, I'm not at, I don't have time to take care of all the mundane day-to-day boring, boring. Chores, And it's
1: mundane and boring. Which and they, not not object. Correct, they don't want
3: Correct. Because they don't want to be mundane or boring. They want to have this like full life of purpose where they are enjoying and being seen and just having, you know, making the most, which is great. We love that. But we have to have some sort of, some balance there. Mm. The other thing where, or the other place where I could see sevens struggle a lot is they, when they try new things. So sevens will be like, oh my gosh, I want to learn how to make wine or beer. And so they're going to get a beer making kit. And then they're going to have that in their house. Oh, I want to take up knitting. So then they're going to get all this stuff for knitting. I want to do this. So they will collect their hobbies and then don't always take the time to say, well, I'm not no longer interested in That's not in this. me anymore. Yeah. I'm not interested in this. So I've moved it's, on to the next bright, shiny object. Exactly. Exactly. And so again, it's about having that level of intentionality to say, okay, well now I'm going to donate this or give it away or sell it or whatever you choose to do with it. Um, and so it's just there because that's not really the priority for them. Because their motivation is... To have fun, happiness, and yeah, their motivation yeah. is to have fun and happiness, and they don't. Sevens don't like to be a burden to anybody, and so, which is why when I said earlier, where fours have that kind of lower, like if you're like glass half empty, glass half full, sevens are um, all about like the the top half, but they have to be mindful to be able to like tap into their feelings. Too, right? Because they are like, the, everything's fine, everything's great. And sometimes it's not. And we're still going to love you, even if everything's fine, not fine and not great. And so. And I when, think some. Go ahead. No, 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 you go. No, no. I was just going to say sevens just really need to understand like the message to sevens is you're loved, even if like things aren't all hunky dory all the time.
2: Yeah. And I think sometimes our sevens will spend the house is feeling overwhelming and they don't know what to do. So they'll spend lots of time outside cafes, parks, parties, going out to restaurants because it's, it's too hard to cook at home and that's not fun anymore. And so I would much prefer to go out to a restaurant cause that's fun. And I am bringing people along with me and there's a little bit of that avoidance mm-hmm. um, is what I see in some of our sevens.
3: And I see, and again, this isn't like to make anybody feel bad or whatever, but I see a lot when I have seven parents And they're constantly on the go with their kids and the kids just like want to be home and they don't want to go out to dinner every night if it's a school night or they want to do things. And it's like,
2: do we need to let Ollie and Emily listen to this? Oh no, Emily's, Emily's, I'm. Oh, that's true. Emily's Emily's more seven, seven,
1: probably, probably more seven than me. Yeah. And Oliver is a three. He's, he's done a teenage Enneagram
0: test. And he okay. thinks he's
1: a three. And when I've shown him, he says, like, everybody get on Instagram and start following Enneagram coaches. There's so many amazing mm-hmm. things on, on Instagram, but I've showed him some um, three stuff. And he's, and I said, does this resonate with you? Yeah. And he's like, 100%. But he's <laughs> an introvert. So he is like, we're like, what do you want to do for your birthday? Stay home. What do you want to do these holidays? Stay home because he's such an yeah. introvert. Well, it's Sorry, not because Josh is an introvert. Yes. <laughs> he's just seven, who's like, what fun can we do? Let's go out and have fun. And he's like, I want to stay home. Stay
2: home is fun for me. And she's like, but you're missing out. He's like, no, I'm
3: not. Right. And so they- tell me about Josh in his three introversion. So Josh, but Josh doesn't look like when people meet him, they're like, he's not an introvert. Josh is such an introvert. I'm the only extrovert. Actually, all my kids are, both my kids are introverts. And so is Josh. But Josh, and really again, introverts, other people's energy sucks them and extrovert get their energy from other people. And so we'll go out to a restaurant and we live in a small town and we know a lot of people and, or I know a lot of people. And so I'll be, we'll walk into a restaurant. I'll be like, Hey, how are you? How's your kids? At all? And Josh just wants to sit at the yeah, corner like of the bar. In the- <laughs> he wants to sit at the corner bar with his laptop or a book and like have a drink and not talk to anybody. And I'm like, what's the point of going out if you're not going to talk to anybody? Like, why not just stay home? And he's like, well, I just wanted to go out and have a meal. And like, I go, and to me, I'm just like, well, why? Why would, I mean, I understand that now, but like, it was something that, but yeah, what he is, people don't, when they meet him, they don't realize because in work, he is very extroverted and he does a lot of public speaking and he's charismatic and all the things. So people are like, He doesn't appear like this introverted guy, but he really.
0: And I
1: think that that's what's really that's interesting about sevens too is that as an enthusiast, you would think that we're all extroverts, but we're not. Mm -hmm. I am. (laughs) So, but I'm sure somewhere out there there's an introverted seven. Yes, it's just that a lot of us would probably be extroverted because we want people to come along for the Mm -hmm. fun.
3: Yes. Yes. And, um, but it's not your responsibility to make everybody's fun. That's the, that's the other thing is again, and
1: the other motivator for like, it's the the motivation is to be happy, but it's because we're avoiding pain.
3: Yes. Mm -hmm. Sevens don't like, again, not that anybody does, but sevens really do not want to avoid it. A is
2: going to lean more into experiencing and acknowledging pain than a seven is.
3: Oh, fours are happy about that. They're like, <laughs> I'm broken and wounded. And this is all- just going to inspire
1: more creativity, creativity. Yes. on me. So like yes. I was watching um, totally kind of off side tangent. I was watching Olivia Rodriguez's mm-hmm. movie documentary And she was like, oh, I can't believe this one breakup has, like, given me so much creativity and so many songs to write about. Because I'm, like, listening to her album with Ollie and Amelie, like, that's their favourite artist at the moment, Uh and I'm like, this is all about this one guy who broke her heart. Like, can we move on already? Can we find the happiness? Come on, Olivia, find the happiness.
3: Yeah. Well, and there's a whole other thing that we didn't talk about. And this this is for like another time, but each of the Enneagram types has a specific orientation to time, past, present, future. And so I think that also plays a role mm-hmm. into their relationship with clutter, and fours orientation to time is the past, which again, just is just another brick in their backpack of why it is harder for a lot of fours to, or they need to set healthy boundaries. And just want to let, for any fours out there, I interviewed an incredible four who- really has her act together and has learned to create environments and boundaries. So she's not struggling with clutter, but it's something that she had to intentionally kind of work that muscle because her, you know, just her natural intuition is to fall into that. And so Uh again, doesn't mean that you're destined for this, you know? No. So hit us up with who
1: you and Amy are and what you would struggle with in clutter. And tell us about your motivations.
3: All right. You want me to do it, Amy, or you want to- You you go, you go. You're You're the boss. All right. So eights are known as the challenger, and our core motivation has to do with justice. And we are known as being strong and independent. We can also come across as being very domineering, we are in the gut triad. So eights, nines, and ones. So we talked about the head and the heart eights, nines, and ones are in the gut triad, meaning that our dominant center is intuition. So the first, that's where we lead first gut. Um, And our least accessed center is feeling. So again, like I said, not as warm and fuzzy. Now, now that I know this, once I've learned this, I've had to practice modeling behavior where I do take a step back and again, recognize that there are people that need longer processing times or that might need to deal with something. Um, a little bit longer than I do. We are very quick processors, which in the world of organization clutter can become very handy. But again, we're not all, but we are relational beings. So most of us are living with other people, whether you do this for a living or just in your everyday life. And so not everybody works at the speed of an eight. And so one of the things- that- Which is the speed of life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and our- we do have like a soft, well, at least I do. I think you do too, Amy. I don't want to speak for you, but I think we do have like a, a soft center, um, mm. but we do have this like very hard candy shell, which is really more of a self-protection thing of like the world. The eight
2: is very self-protective. Yeah. Which
3: is really like, I eight stand very independently. And, and where, an eight
2: like, wants to choose when that soft center is. The the control of an eight is Mm -hmm. like, I know I have a soft center, but I will choose when that is.
3: Right. And eights, differently than a one, but eights can come in and want to control a situation, but not let situations control them. Like eights don't really. But I will say there are, if there's somebody that I value that is in a person of authority that I feel like I happy i'm also a, a bit of a rule follower and i will follow steps um one of the biggest flaws of an eight and this isn't necessarily just um or at least this enneagram eight um this isn't always a clutter thing but i would say for me it was more important for me to be right than liked and so mm-hmm. i would double down if i felt principled about something even at the risk of hurting somebody's feelings which is not healthy relational trait. And so I have had to work really really hard to just kind of put that aside and just become aware of that. And there are times where I will continue to double down on that. And I'll be like, "No, that's wrong." And you know, like you sh- this is not the way to handle this or you're this person's being mistreated or whatever the situation is. But sometimes I would pick the wrong battles. Where I'm like, "Who cares?" Really. Mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um and I would say my nine daughter was the one that would actually kind of brought that to my attention because she's just like, why, like, why are you even picking that fight? Um, but I was so principled. So my, my advice for eights is again, recognize how bold you are. Cause I still don't really feel like I come across that way, but well, I person don't, tells me I do. yes,
2: Kirsty says this often to me. She's like, I don't think you understand the strength with which you come across and i'm like i like because eights are also the justice of equality totally we really really value that Mm -hmm. and so we don't see ourselves as being anything other than equal even though how we present is different yes i'm getting my head around that one Well, and
1: it's also because you are going from your motivation. Like you are like, I am motivated by justice, so I am standing on this principle and I will make this happen because it has to happen and you don't filter that it doesn't have to happen that way for it to still look like justice. Right. Does that make sense? Like, so like, you know, with clutter, like you'll be like, there's a right way and a wrong way to fold fitted sheets and I will double down on the (laughs) right way to fold a fitted sheet not you, Amy. Absolutely oh, not yeah, like, I've
2: never folded a fitted
3: sheet. I was, <laughs> like, I was but, like, I put all my fitted sheets in a basket because I am a right. really bad folder. Yeah. So Yeah, we just
2: roll ours into like a tight <laughs> bundle and shove it in. But another eight other than us, Laurie. Yeah, yes. or it will be like you
1: must let go of things because there's people in the world who do not have this. And so – I, you need to give this to the homeless shelter because that is the justice thing to do. You do not need this without considering that actually this person, it is tied to their late mother who gave it to them. And even though they're never ever using it, it is really, really precious to them. Not that mm. you can't see that, no, but, but it takes work yeah, for correct. you to see that.
2: The eight can is quite altruistic mm-hmm. and is thinking about the whole with less regard for the individual than the whole, in my experience. And so in a home, when it comes to clutter, but I find this particularly in um, bigger families, is the eight will be like puzzles are annoying and the baby eats the bits and I hate finding pieces. Puzzles are all going without considering that the seven-year-old, that's her favourite thing to do. Because for the whole, this is a good decision. Mm -hmm. But we forget sometimes the individuals within that
3: might just be me. But that's how I no, I think that's I think that's a good point. And I think for all the types, but especially eats, and I say this again, literally coming from personal experience, the the biggest thing that you can learn is grace for other people. And again, I think that is the biggest thing is taking a pause and just really being intentional about trying to have some grace because. We don't realize how domineering we come across. Right. And that's the one thing that I want to say for all the Enneagram types. And again, you know, obviously our focus and the folk of this show and my course is all tied with clutter and uh-huh. organization. Mm-hmm. But just from the greater relational piece, because at the end of the day, I think so much of what we do is all just relational, is whatever your Enneagram type is, it's not an excuse for poor behavior, it's not, well, this is how I am because I'm an eight. So you just have to take it. Or this is how I am because I'm a fill in the blank. It provides you context. And I think that Mm -hmm. that context is very healthy, but it's what you do with that. Now that, you know, you you may have ADD and that's giving you context, but that doesn't give you an excuse to not do something. It's not like, Mm -hmm. oh, sorry, I didn't put my, you know, dishes in the dishwasher because I have ADD. Okay. Well, maybe you forgot, but then we need to put some boundaries in to help you remember That'd to do helped. that. Yeah. So I think that's that's the beauty of the Enneagram is it gives you language and it gives you context and it, and it gives you, these are the areas that you know are naturally gifts and these are the areas that you need to work on. And so having that foundation gives you a springboard as opposed to going, I don't know why I can't do this. I'm frustrated and having poor communication. Uh-huh. So- all right.
2: right, hit us up with the nine.
3: The nines, we will end with the nines. And the nines are known as the peacekeepers, or some people call them the peacemakers, but it's really about peacekeeping. They like to keep the peace. So as much as eights thrive and get energy from confrontation, and again, doesn't have to be a fight, but just like we we're gonna speak our mind for the greater good. Nines don't want to rock the boat. And their core motivation is they just, you know, their unconscious childhood messages like my opinion doesn't matter. I'm just here to keep the peace, which is very sad because obviously their opinion does matter and it's not their responsibility to emotionally regulate everybody in the house. But that is where nines come in. And nines, the beauty of the nine is that they have a gift to be able to see both sides, so both sides, all, all sides, Nine yes, sides. Yes. <laughs> they can see where everybody's coming from. And so again, in situations where, you know, and my daughter was just saying she was talking about work, and they were like, there's three sides. There's your side, your side, and then Zoe's side, which is the right side of this is exactly what happened. <laughs> and it's, and it really um, there's a lot of truth to that. Um being able to look at things from a more objective perspective where nines can, nines are very chill on the outside. Like they're very go with the flow people. Um, but they're what we call mergers as opposed to a martyr. So let's say a group of people are going out to eat and it's like, oh, I want pizza. I want Chinese. I want this. Nines will be like, whatever. And it's not that they don't want to invite. They just genuinely, it's not important uh-huh. to them. Uh-huh. And so they're very chill people. Um, and I find when it comes to clutter, a lot of times, and this is not always, but a lot of times nines are what I call clutter blind. Yep. They're just because they're chill and they're not the tightly wound people. They can, they can, you know, easily just like walk past stuff and it not stress them out. It takes a lot for a nine to get riled up. Now, when they do, you know that they've hit just like an eight doesn't show vulnerability very often. So, you know, if it eight opens up and is vulnerable, like that's a big deal if a nine gets really riled up and angry and like, that's a big deal. Uh And so because they're chill, like they don't tend to really stress about things. And so prioritizing, like, what should I do? It's not always, it's not always top of mind. I find that nines Uh struggle with procrastination a lot because of that. Um, And so it's challenging because, again, trying to motivate somebody to do something that is naturally in tune to procrastinating, you know, you have to find what is going to be that carrot for them to do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot but of times. As
1: people- a parent, they're yeah. like, they're also like, well, whatever the group consensus wants, like, let's store it in a way that the group wants. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's where they similarities to an eight where eights are thinking Like Amy, you were talking about how in your eightness, you think about the greater good. Mm. Nines can also think about the greater good because they're not tied to any one way of doing things. So if they have a spouse who likes to do things a particular way, then they merge into the way that the spouse wants it Mm -hmm. to be done.
3: And I think it's really important. And I say this as a parent of a nine, I think it's really important to ask nines their opinion, not just tell them what you're going to do. Because they already don't feel seen and heard. And so asking them, but there's there's a double-edged sword to this. So it's asking them like what their opinion is great, but also that can be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So more framing it with what don't you like, or what wouldn't work for you? I remember when we were looking at colleges for Zoe going back a few years and this you can use this for anybody out there, regardless of your any of your type. If you have a kid and you're like starting that college search or university search, and you say, you know, what, you know, what, what type of school do you want to go to? Where do you want to go? And it's like there's all these choices, and I don't know. So I started reframing it and saying, well, what don't you want? And it was like, uh-huh. I don't want a city. I don't want a small school. I don't. There were certain things, and so we started to kind of peel back the layers. But I think at the end of the day, however you approach it, asking input of the nine is really important of, well, how do you, how do you, what is your morning routine? You know, what is, you know, how, when you come home from work, what does that typically look like for you? So what stresses you out? Do you ever find that you get stressed or, you know. What what would make things more efficient for you? So asking kind of open-ended questions, I think is really helpful for a nine, especially when it comes to the organizational strategy that you're looking to develop.
2: I think one of the challenges that we find with clients is that often the person that reaches out to us is not necessarily the nine because they're not it's not bothering them as much, but it may be bothering their partner. And then the question is like, well, how do I get them to change? So one of the pieces of advice that I'll often give um as someone married to a nine, is when this happens, I feel, because mm-hmm. they're not intentionally at all doing half of the job and leaving the things out, they they did the job. Mm-hmm. They just didn't think about then putting all the things away. Um, you know, yesterday we were trying to find the tape measure in our house and it was in my husband's office because he had done the thing that needed doing but didn't even cross his mind to put the tools away when he'd finished. And so sometimes saying, you know, the example I often give is that when we first got married, Cal would always take his socks off inside out and put them in the wash. And so I would be forever turning his socks back in the right way and it would drive me bananas because it was neither efficient nor fair because he could have done something about it and now I have to deal with the consequences of it, right? So the eight in me was like, this is an
3: injustice. And he was like, what else? It's just the suck. I think you're using that word injustice, like a little, but that's a little bit. That's what it felt like though.
1: That's what it felt like. Remember we're talking about, she's actually talking about her feelings. Let her go. Yes. Yes.
3: So (laughs) what, so so what happened? Did you have this communication? Did you have this conversation with him?
2: Yes, so the way that we dealt with it was I recognized that it wasn't important to him about the sock, but he, it, what was important was our relationship. So I said, "It makes me feel seen when you put your socks in the right way because it's it reduces an extra task that I feel like I have to do." Because in his mind, he said, "I don't care, wash them inside out, put them back in my drawer inside out. I don't care." Like, right? You're I was just gonna to say he this. was like,
3: "How did I, he probably didn't even realize it?" Like, correct? He just, He's like, yeah. "You're
2: taking that on yourself." But when I framed it to it makes me feel really honoured when you put whatever word, changed. He doesn't ever take his socks off and do it the wrong way. And so I say to people, when you, when you say to your partner, when you put your keys in the spot where the keys are, it saves me quite a lot of time in the morning and it reduces my stress because I can find them. When you do this, this is the implication of it. And so you're helping them because their motivation is mm-hmm. not that the keys always have to be in the same spot, their motivation is peace in relationship, right, and so when you can help reframe that, it actually does give the motive like it it is using their motivation it's not manipulating, but it's helping them go, ah, oh, okay, yeah, no, I can totally do that because I can see now the implications of it
1: yeah, no absolutely we've got so much in the enneagram that we can talk because there's like the whole um what is it? Like self-preservation social, what's that triangle? Yes. Oh, like,
3: uh, that's, well, that's all the su- the subtypes. Subtypes. Stuff. Cause yes. that's what
1: I'm like, you guys are both AIDS, but I wonder if you're different subtypes Correct. because yes. like, yes. So there's so
3: much in the Enneagram. Well, that's the thing. Just and the Enneagram the is a surface. big onion. It's like a big onion yeah. and you can just peel back so many layers, but to really without getting overly, you know, geeked out on it, it really is a, I think an incredible tool for a, some self-discovery to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one that feels this Uh way or experiences Uh life through this lens. Um, but to also again, have some grace and understanding for the people that are in our worlds again, whether that's parent, child, spouse, coworker, whatever, um, to really, or just friendships, even to understand like this is why we do what we do. And again, use it as a springboard to be like the healthiest version of yourself. And then again, if you really are interested in going down the rabbit hole, there's so many different areas that you could do. But um, you know,
2: I how do people find your course though? Because that's that's really gonna be the deep dive into this conversation. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I, I,
1: Literally was like looking at the course earlier and just thinking about some of my clients who are more like, this would provide so much grace for them if they knew about themselves, like if they discovered which number they were and how it relates to clutter in their home. So mm-hmm. much grace. So much grace. Yeah. I love so, it. I love it. Thank up. you.
3: Thank you for that. So um, the best place to go is my website, which is simply the letter B like boy organized.com. And I'm sure you guys will link up to it in the show notes and organized for- with a Z. Oh, for those right. American with a Z. Um, <laughs> um, and also if you go to any and and um, you guys will spell that out. Um, it also will redirect there. So any grammar clutter nice. or the website simply be organized.com with a Z. Um, both places will take you. And we did the way that I broke it down is we have what I call the, the master course. So that goes through all of the different nine types because I think it's really important to not just know your own. If you mm-hmm. if you're listening to this, you're like, I already know my type. Um, that's great. But I think it's great to learn about the other types. So yeah. the master course is all nine types. But then for some people that just want to maybe dip their toe in, I did break it down into nine mini courses. So there are little mini courses for each of the nine types. If you're like, let me just test it out with this one. So either way, they can all be found there. And I'm going to, I want to give you guys a promo code. So okay, we're going to give everybody so. What's your normal promo code? Like, let's make it declutter. Declutter. Then we're not
2: using Z's and S's and yes, perfect. Let's make it really easy. Let's make it declutter. I'm um, gonna, and You can put that in.
3: Okay, we're gonna put it and we're gonna do declutter twenty. So I'm gonna give you guys twenty percent off.
2: Oh wow, declutter twenty.
3: And I'm not gonna put an end date on it because I know people. If you're like me, you're listening to podcasts at all different times, and I want to get this in people's hands. So you're beautiful. Declutter twenty.
2: That'll be in the show notes too. Yeah, Laurie, we could literally just keep talking for forever. Um, I know it's so good. Oh, I just I love your heart. I love I love that as we grow in understanding the Enneagram, we understand ourselves better, we understand others better, um, but we can also become really much more skilled professional organizers. So our team is going to be recommended. Please listen to this episode and come and do the course because it is really helpful.
3: Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. It's been so helpful for me as a professional organizer, helping clients yep. having this knowledge and insight and framework. So um, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys. Thank
2: you so much. Uh, we
1: have a quick, quick, quick um, review to read oh. before we go. So this is from Flyover State from somebody in the US. It was left in April this year and it's is a five-star review saying great encouraging resource which is exactly what you are Laurie so um fly over state says love this podcast that advice is upbeat reasonable and spot on for living a decluttered but modern life say thank you fly over state
2: that
1: love that today
2: we want you to leave a review for us if you know your enneagram number so if you can fairly confidently, if I said what's your grand number, you would know. Today, we want you to leave a review and let us know in the review what number you are as well.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Laurie. We cannot wait. Let's make it not another three years or two years before we speak again on the podcast.
3: I know. I feel like it was before COVID.
1: That's not going to happen It again. was,
2: but no, we're not going to let that happen.
1: Mm-mm. No. There may be another COVID before then, but but. wash your mouth
2: out with soap.
1: Bite
2: your tongue. We hope, dear listeners, that you you have a
1: great week and to wear in your ears again next week.
2: See you then. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. If you've learned something awesome today, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook so others can find our podcast too. Don't forget you can see the
1: show notes in your podcast app or over at our website, outofdecluttering.com.au. So if there's anything you want more info on, check it out there.
2: If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so over at patreon.com slash the Art of Decluttering. We hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy the freedom. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture.
1: We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.